You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Mmm, Fem. Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, Fem Fam. So we have been super excited for this season because we have been building up a list of guests. Like, guys, we have so many people that we want to introduce you to. This is so exciting for us. Mm-hmm. And today's guest, um, she's very much on our wavelength. She does the same kind of stuff we do, just on a way bigger level. <laughs> so, like, we'll grow up to be her one day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. We're just teenagers right now. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. But today's guest is Cece Cleary. She's a producer and development executive at her company, Blue Water Lane Productions. And basically, you know, she's an independent producer who has grown to develop her own company. And she just, you know, she built her way up from the bottom. She started doing stunts and did location management, and did all kinds of stuff. She's done, like, every position you can think of in the production world, and eventually realized producing was what she was good at, what she loved doing, and she's bringing her own spice to it. (laughs) And it was so exciting to talk to her today because, like I said, we're on the same page with her. She's doing the kind of thing that we want to do. So it was really great to talk to a like-minded female producer. Exactly. I think you guys will really um, enjoy her insight, um... Her journey, I mean, it's not like anything that you haven't heard before, which is also awesome because that's how you learn is just trying out all the different roles, yeah. see what you gravitate towards, but also just, um, yeah, we, we get into more of her production challenges, which she's been able to just overcome. And that in itself is so encouraging and yeah, can't wait to grow up. We'll grow up to be CC one day. (laughs) One day. (laughs) Enjoy this episode. Um, to get started, I guess, you know, we had just mentioned how we're all East Coasters and everything, but let us know a little bit about your history, how you got started just in the industry in general, and what kind of led you on the path that you're on today. Well, it's a kind of an interesting story. I started, I was a professional big wave windsurfer in Hawaii. Oh, wow. On Maui. And at the time, I did a lot of stunt work. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of movies being filmed on Maui at the time, you know, big features. And I just yeah. kind of fit the bill for all the stunt work. And I became kind of fascinated with the business. I loved it. So when I wouldn't get the talent job or the stunt job, I would uh, I, I would just go to the production and be like, I want to learn. I'll just be a PA. And like, but you're the talent. Why are you going getting people coffee? I'm like, I want to learn. Yeah. <laughs> 
so Absolutely. in my yeah in my 20s I just I yeah I would just take any job that was given to me and then uh, I got into locations because I knew the islands so well mm-hmm. so I did locations and uh, locations management for quite a while and then I realized I, I really want to produce and then I had an opportunity in New York to produce and it was a very small film at the time and uh you know as, as many movies never happen certain things happen right. this um but i realized i wanted to produce at that time so and i would take jobs on car commercials being the assistant to a producer and i remember one woman she did all these big car commercials um i think it was plum productions and she said to me you'd be a really good producer and she was so supportive she was awesome i forget her name now but her and her husband ran that company. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of always knew, uh, but still I would just take any job. I, I did body double work, stunt work, wow. locations, PA work, whatever it took yeah. just to learn and kind of find my spot. Mm-hmm. And I think it helped me become a better producer because I've been in so many different roles. I respect everybody's job and I understand how hard um what hard work it is. Yeah. And I think that is super important for, you know, for a producer to understand everyone's job, but like bonus points, if you've done it, you know what I mean? Cause then you really get it and you really get what goes into it. And if you're at the top telling these people what to do, if it's not in their wheelhouse, if it's not something they can do, if it's not, you know, like all of those things, that's going to cause problems. So if you understand everybody's job, what their limitations are, what their abilities are, who is supposed to be doing what, all of that, like that's only going to make you a better producer and it's only going to make the whole set flow more efficiently. Oh, definitely. There's some producers, I forget who it was. It might've been Spielberg. I think he did every, like almost every job on a set. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it, it is interesting, producers who haven't had those experiences, I think it's hard to be a good boss if you just don't know people's jobs right. or respect yeah. their jobs. Because, you know, I mean, take, you know, even I used to do extra work even back when I was an actor. And I think I feel like you got to respect the extras. Mm-hmm. You can't make a movie without them. Like yeah. everyone plays the role, the Teamsters, exactly. the extras, the the group guys. I mean, it's. You know, everyone plays their part. So I feel like I, I don't see it as a hierarchy. Yeah. Some movie sets run where they separate the extras. You know, a lot of producers won't go up to the Teamsters and introduce themselves. Because, I mean, they work the hardest. Yeah. They really do. And so I, and I learned as well when I was doing locations um, for a Clint Eastwood movie on Maui, Hereafter, I believe it was called. And I just watched how he ran his sets. Mm-hmm. He let the extras sit at the same tables. He treated everybody equally. The only thing the ADs would just come up to everybody and just say, listen, he's not being a jerk or anything, but just don't approach him because he's working. Mm-hmm. And right. he, yeah, he only does one take. And so he has to really focus when he works. And so I was like, oh, I'd like to run a set that way someday. So mm-hmm. I, I, I try to learn from the directors and uh, production companies I've worked for where it's like, Oh, this is how you, this is how you do it. Yeah. So luckily now I've had the opportunity to, to lead from the top and treat everybody very nicely. Yeah. And how awesome is that, that you've had the opportunity to work with 
people like Clint Eastwood. Like that's a huge, you know, a huge name that a lot of people don't ever get to even see, let alone work closely with. So, you know, it sounds like you've been, you came up on successful sets that, that taught you these things, you know, and you got to work with some greats and it's just, it's an amazing experience. That's again, only going to make you a better producer. Right. Yeah. And yes. I love that it was, did you feel like you were just openly curious? Um, that's what it sounds like to me. Just wanting, I feel like being curious and not being afraid to ask questions on set respectfully. We've touched on it on our show before, but I think that's part of the learning. And it, again, only makes you a better producer. Maybe you go into directing and as a director as well, it's just so important to be informed with everyone's roles. So I just love that you were open, you were curious. And um, did you just feel that's like your curiosity just kind of eventually you're like, yeah, I love producing. Like what about producing to you um, really just struck a chord? Well, I think it was when I did uh, 40 Love. Uh, Fred Wolf was our director. He did a lot of all the Adam Sandler movies. And he had wanted to uh, make a more like, uh, what is it called? Um, Harry Met Sally. Okay. And do oh. something with incredible dialogue. He and I were in, uh, in uh, New York together. We had not cast anybody. We had production offices open. We were tech scouting. We had locations, but you know, we, we were like, "Hmm, where are we going to cast in this?" And Fred <laughs> and I would go to Christie's casting, and we cast the entire movie. The two of us together, we were collaborative. Okay. And luckily, mm -hmm. we agreed on all the same people. I'm like, "Oh, thank goodness!" <laughs> and I just love that experience. And then we tech scout every day, and then we go into six hours of casting for like six weeks. This is oh, all pre-production. Wow. And I was like, I love this because it's such a having the creative side of it and having a director include me on the creative. Mm -hmm. It just made me love it. Uh, with two Leslie, <laughs> uh, most of it was already cast. Uh, Michael Morris, uh, he's a brilliant director. Mm -hmm. He so I for that movie I wasn't part of that process. Uh, Michael, pretty much an early day, casted the entire movie and they killed it. So mm -hmm. every movie is a little different. I yeah. enjoy all aspects. And uh, yeah, it's all very interesting. But I, I love it. I don't know what else I'd be doing. Yeah. And that goes to show that there is no right way to do it either. You know, like whether you leave it all to a casting director, whether you have the director doing it all, whether you have the director and the producer combined casting, like just depends on you and your team and, you know, what you need to get done and there's no right way. <laughs> there, I, every movie's different. And I've been very lucky in the sense uh, I was introduced to Jason Schumann and Eduardo Cisneros. And I've been producing with them now for gosh, three, four years. Mm -hmm. So uh, they've been great. And, and they're very busy now. They have winning game. Okay. Uh, that's Jason, the Lakers series. Yeah. He developed that for nine years until it got picked up. Wow. Yeah. And now they're on Acapulco 2 down in Mexico. <laughs> so um, you know, they're very That's experienced incredible. and they're very smart. So when we picked up to Leslie, mm -hmm. uh, this is probably the most challenging thing that ever happened in my career. Oh. We had another movie in production, pre-production. 
And because of COVID, the two lead actors, n- no fault to them, they, they were just a little scared. Mm-hmm. Don't blame them. And right. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my goodness. And I was on a one day reshoot for 40 Love during COVID when this <laughs> all happened. And, I, and they were making me quarantine. And I get the call. I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. Oh, come on. This can't be happening. <laughs> so Jason Schumann and Eduardo Cisneros, who are brilliant writers, and uh, we're represented by UTA, gave us 11 scripts. We had to read over a 24-hour period, or wow. maybe 48. <laughs> Still, that's crazy. <laughs> and that's how we found uh, two Leslie. So okay. Eduardo, Jason, and I read uh, 11 scripts, and then we all talked that Monday. And I said, guys, which one is it? I think it's two Leslie. What do you guys think? And they said, yep, it's two Leslie. And then I moved the entire production team. I said, guys, you still have a job. It's just a different movie now. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, a great day yeah yeah it's a great work. day yeah 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 okay yeah because I wanted to get into yeah. two Leslie more and how you came across yeah. that script and and um had your team so it sounds like you had your team already there you've been working with them and then um I I might have missed it but where is it that common that every time you approach a new project you sift through a bunch of scripts and and then kind of decide like what feels right for your production company's mission and your the budget and resources you have. I mean, we're small small pickings here at Femmer Card right now. We're just producing our own work, but I'm I would love to know a little bit more about that process. Well, there's a lot of different things to take into consideration. For two Leslie, I just thought it was such a moving script. Mm. And Michael Morris, he, everything he touches is gold. I mean, he's such a brilliant director. You know, he did uh, Bloodline, House of Cards, Billions. Yeah. And I just thought, (laughs) legendary. (laughs) Legendary. And this was his first uh, feature film. I figured, you know what? This is, this would be wonderful if we could pull this off. And there's also a lot of talent already attached that Michael attached and our casting director Arlie Day attached. So that, that was very appealing to me. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it's nice to have a package. And then I mean right? Alice and Janie, I'm sorry. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's great. Like, she's literally one of my favorite actors. So I, oh she's great. Was... And she's so easy peasy. Good. And oh. fun to be around and so talented. So I'm trying to think who else was already attached. Uh, Stephen Root, Mark Marin. Mm. Uh, yeah, th- there's a lot. Oh, Andrea Riceboro. Yeah. Uh, so, and, you know, Michael and Arlie brought those people in. And then there was another producing team we merged with who are great, Claude DeFerra and his team. Uh-huh. And uh, he's done like 20 movies or something. So we had a really strong uh, product. Mm-hmm. It was a little right. challenging, though, during COVID. We were one of the only productions in L.A. filming during COVID. Everything yeah. shut down. The streets boarded up. And I was thinking, oh, gosh, I hope the mayor still thinks we're central. And, <laughs> or the governor, whoever makes those yeah. decisions. So, yeah. yeah, so we were able to still film. And I had a very uh, good COVID team mm-hmm. that managed everything. And not one person on my set got COVID. That's impressive. And this was like at the height. Oh, yeah. they were very strict with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. We had a lot of rules. A lot of rules. Yeah, we've we've uh, 
interviewed quite a few um, productions that and on smaller scales in the independent world that made it through COVID and wow, the challenges, the protocols. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it was definitely a load, but congrats like to have a COVID free set is always the goal. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's just Mm -hmm. a beautiful thing that you're able to still make the work happen um, in really difficult times. Would you mind sharing with the audience what T Leslie is all about? Oh, the, the, like the log line of the story? Yeah, the well, log line. Oh, okay. So it's a, based on a true story of a woman who won the lottery in uh, West Texas in I think 1992. And mm-hmm. it goes south very quickly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she... It, it, she it, gets spending. <laughs> yes. And, you know, she kind of leaves a whole disaster behind her and just leaves and leaves her son. And uh, yeah. it, it's really a redemption story. Okay. Of how, how, how you come back and like second chances. Uh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and um, I think it touches on addiction too, which I thought was interesting. Uh, yeah, it does. I think that's not the story really. It's just sort of like, because anyone can be down out, whether it's addiction or God knows right. what happens in people's lives and the choices they make. Yeah. But I think the main point is, uh, just, you know, like Mark Marin, uh, he takes a chance on her, mm-hmm. a perfect stranger. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, there are good people out there and there are people that can get you through anything, whether yeah. it's addiction, whether it's whatever it may be in your life. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's the beauty of the story. I love and that. yeah, and then Owen Teague, oh gosh, he ple- oh, he's so good in this movie. Uh, he plays her son. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Nice. Yeah. I mean, any so, like any good emotional redemption story, like that's that's the formula for a good movie. You know, like if as long right. as you have the good like pieces of the story t- underneath of it to build it up and to make it unique and the people to pull it off, like you've got an automatic winner. <laughs> you know, so yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad it's so well received. Yeah, because it's, it's a tricky subject. But everyone that's read the script, I mean loves it I mean it really touches people so yeah I'm very proud of it yeah I know it's um it was in South by Southwest um what other mm-hmm. let me see I have this offer notes of this as well oh it premiered at South by Southwest okay yes yeah I mean it sounds yeah, like it's that's... doing really well like even that alone is a huge accomplishment oh yes we did great there and all the actors came we Love did, uh, you know, the oh. red carpet. Uh, yeah. Our director got a standing ovation. Oh, amazing. And, and then oh. I did an after party with a step and repeat. Uh-huh. And because we never got to have a rap party, it kind of turned into the rap party. That's fun. So everyone stayed <laughs> till 5 a.m. Yeah, it was great. Everyone yes. was having such a good time. And, you know, that was the first event in two years that was live. And we all got to see each other again. Yeah. So... Aww. Yeah, because when we wrapped on December 24th, everyone just scattered and went home. And right. the COVID uh, uh, protocol was we couldn't do a wrap party. So mm. we finally got our wrap party. That's and almost after. even better because it's like, you know, you, get, you guys have been away from each other and I'm sure y'all missed each other. And <laughs> it's like a reunion at that point. <laughs> oh, was it? It was a great reunion because <laughs> it was so stressful. Yeah. Every morning I'd wake up in cold sweats. 
Are we going to get shut down? Is one of my actors going to get COVID? Am I going to get COVID and then not be able to go to set? Yeah. So it's a minor miracle that we were able to pull that off without any hitches. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to hear a little more about that too, because um, like Carolina said, we've interviewed a few people that have done, that have filmed during COVID, but a lot of them were like in their own apartment, you know, and it was like one person in the apartment and one crew member at a time or whatever. But it sounds like you guys were like, you know, out on location, like uh, more of a let or less of a skeleton crew, I should say, I guess, um, you know, on a more professional level. Um, so I'm curious to hear a little more about what it was actually like, like day to day on set during COVID. Day to day was a little stressful because, you know, we're all used to being so close and eating together. We had to eat at separate tables for all our meals. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. basically, you'd be sitting at a separate table, you'd be waving to your friends <laughs> over there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, on set, you know, our director's chairs where we look at the monitor, we had to like be six feet apart. Mm-hmm. And but we're always talking and being like, oh, okay, what about that shot here? Right. But you you couldn't go walk. Like it, it was just hard to communicate because we had to have a lot of separation. And then we'd get stopped. They're like, okay, guys, remember the helicopter rule: if you're not six feet apart, we're gonna come find you. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So there was a lot of that. Um, and also it was challenging as a producer because normally um, when there's an interior shot, my monitor and my chairs are in the room where it's actually being shot. Right. But because, mm-hmm. but because the exteriors is easier because you could be right there. Mm-hmm. But interiors, I wasn't allowed inside, nor were any of the producers because we were zone B, mm-hmm. which means we only get tested, I think, three days a week zone a are the actors and the director and the camera crew uh-huh. they got tested i think five days a week so there was just a lot of it was just i'd never experienced anything like that yeah but but you know you, you just adjust you get used to it and you made it yeah. through <laughs> we made we made it through yeah yes yeah Cece, I am just, I am looking at Tessa's notes here and something I've been dying to also sink my teeth into, um, you know, here at FemRegard, we're so passionate about empowering women um, in front of and behind the camera. And you have done a lot to also empower women in this industry. And I just want to, I want to get into a little conversation around that Mm -hmm. and, um, and your company, Blue Water Lane and yeah. And yeah, like what that's been like and, you know, what can you, what advice can you give to women like us who are right now, we're trying to get funding for our first feature film. And um, as we, you know, send out our decks and our pitch videos and all of that, if if there's any advice or or resources that have helped you in the past, um, I know I'm asking like a million questions in this one sentence, but Anything that kind of sparks your mind to, to get started, um, I, would, I would love to be all ears about that. Hey, Fem fam, have you heard us raving about Jambox yet? Because let me tell you, it's such an amazing tool for filmmakers, podcasters, advertisers, and anyone who needs music for their projects. Jambox.io is so versatile. They've got songs and sound effects organized by artists, genre, mood, and tags. And they're actually affordable. 
For as little as $9.99 a month for independent creators, $6 a month for students, or $19.99 a song, you can choose whether a subscription-based membership or a la carte pricing works better for you. And they're flexible. For individual creators, to commercial, to advertising, to theatrical release, they've got you covered. Plus, they're constantly growing and evolving. With new songs and playlists all the time and customer service on point, they really do have everything you need. We've been working with them for a while now and couldn't be happier. That's why we have a special coupon code for our listeners. For 10% off your purchase, make sure you enter code FEM10 at checkout. That's FEM, F-E-M-M-E, 10 at jambox.io, where they connect creators with ridiculously good music and sound effects. Well, I think the the main thing is having a, a really solid script and having attachments, yeah. like, you know, some director that you believe in, uh, some actors that love the script. Because without that, it's just 110 Time's pages harder. of yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So I, I like think what we're that, doing probably, but yeah. <laughs> well, that well, you never know. I mean. It, it can work many different ways. Mm-hmm. I, I don't right. think there is a particular formula. What I have learned though, is having a, a really good script, a great director and some talent attached makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. Right. right, right, right. And that, that's challenging in itself, but uh, that's all networking really. Yeah, this, this whole, whole COVID thing has made me realize when, you, when they were tracking me when I was in New York, mm-hmm. um, when I was on that uh, 14-day quarantine, the one-day reshoot for 40 Love. Yeah. I mean, I was like, okay, this is getting big brother here. This is getting yeah. weird. It's, it's everything is, I mean, our, we always say our, our message is, the message of our film is twofold. It centers around toxic friendships and relationships, but then the tech is this dangerous vessel that we need to question what privacy and protections are in place for the evolution of tech that is fastly growing. Mm-hmm. There's amazing benefits like us being able to zoom right now, right? But this constant like lack of transparency is great, but also I think can be harmful. And I think I I do worry about our human consciousness and like what that's leading to if we're all just going to live digitally and mm-hmm. not be like human anymore and that I, I just feel like it's fun to that's what I love about film so much is like we can explore those those worlds and combine like my I'm, I'm the writer as well like my true experiences with relationships that I'm very passionate about like um telling through my perspective so and it's important I think that's yeah it's important to us to tell this story now too because it it is so timely right now like when Carolina was in the midst of still writing the script Elon Musk was like, hey, I've got this uh, I, this technology. I can put like chips in your brains. Like this is something that's like coming <laughs> yeah. out right now. You know, so it's just it's crazy that it, it really is lining up. And so it's important to us to to get this story out now. This is why it's something it's 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 not something that we're just like, OK, here's the finished script and we're going to sit on it until we can find the funding. Like we're like, no, we have to find the funding and get this out now because it actually is timely. It actually is the perfect time for a story like this. Oh, it sounds like it. I mean, that's yeah. really fascinating. And um, I like the angle, too, of the toxic friendships. Um, mm-hmm. I've had to, yeah. in the past two years, I've had to get rid of some people. Yeah. And <laughs> different 
different work partners or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And you, once you identify it, it's like, oh, okay, this is not healthy. And you just find a, a way to do it politely. And then you just cut them out. Yeah. And now I only have people in my life that are wonderful yeah. and really mm-hmm. supportive. Um, one of my best friends is a, a production manager. Does all She's done all sorts of events. So uh, she did all the work, uh, the coordination for South by Southwest, mm-hmm. uh, oh Diane Dickinson. And she's one of my best friends and she's so supportive. Like if I'm having a bad day or I'm like, oh my God, I'm so overloaded. I, I, I don't even know how I'm going to keep going. You know, uh, she's just like, I'm so proud of you. You know, and she's like my cheerleader. Aww. Yeah. So that's what you need. Yeah. That's yeah. like as women, especially like we need to be our, everyone's cheerleader all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Hype us up. Yeah. And yeah. you know, interestingly enough, so many of the men have been so supportive too, like Michael okay. Morris, Fred Wolf, Jason Schumann, oh, yeah. Eduardo yeah. Cisneros, um, uh, you, Alex at UTA. You know, everyone's just been so great. So uh, women and men. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's less a gender issue and more of like, well, I mean, just as people, as human beings, you know, we're all emotional wars, we're all sensitive, but especially in this industry, like we're all creatives and we're all, while we've learned to build a thick skin because you have to, to get through this industry, it's also like all of these projects are special to us in some way, you know, whether it's like actually like our baby that we wrote and created, or even if it's just something that we took on, you know, as a like less creative producer or something like it's still, there's a connection no matter what, you know? So it's an emotional business, you know, and it's just, you, you have to, you can only get through with the support of people, of those cheerleaders of your tribe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I've learned to cut, you know, create a tribe mm-hmm. and anyone that was in the tribe that is sabotaging you you just sort of say okay I'm gonna let you go yeah because yeah. you really need the support because it's such a tough business mm-hmm. and I agree. it's really tough so it's very important who you keep around you for sure yeah I think that goes from business relationships to friendships because it's again, so tough what we do. We put emotion, we have to also put our business mind on. And if someone's just depleting your energy constantly, it's just, I think um, the reason why I'm also passionate about touching on friendships is, you know, in society, we're taught more or less how to set boundaries with our romantic lover type relationships. But with friendships, it's a, it's a not something that's really talked about enough. And those are the ones that are even closer to us mm. at times, right? So I think that's super important. And and did you find when you let go of, of some of those uh, relationships that it just made you even more open to other relationships and, and just growth in, in that way? I'm just curious to know. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I, I, once yeah. I got rid of the toxic people in my life, uh, yeah, I mean, then all the right people came in. And then right. I'm a little more discerning now of who I let in. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So the doors opened up once I was like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. And those are more friendships and certain yeah. other working relationships. Um, as far as relationships, I haven't really dated anyone in two years. So I don't know who'd want to date me. I'm so busy. I wouldn't have time. Same. I understand that completely. 
does this is all the time. <laughs> oh yeah, so I, I went on one of those dating apps. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Rye or something. And I was just like, I don't even look at it. I don't have time. I'm like, yeah. I have time to go meet someone for coffee. I don't know. Right. Yeah, no, I hear it. I hear it, my girl bosses. <laughs> I love it. But I, I think it's important for our listeners to like know that because sometimes we hold on because we think that relationship still is going to tie us to all these different things and it's so important, but it actually is prohibiting you from having more um, abundant, fulfilling relationships. So I love that that was the outcome because that's what I believe, even though sometimes it's very hard <laughs> and, and it doesn't have to be a big dramatic thing. So mm-hmm. I know I'm like, guys, we're going into a little therapy session today, um, <laughs> on Regard. but I think, I think it's not talked about. And that's what's like our films talk talked about. And in your professional, like, uh, relationships, I think sometimes it's not talked about enough and, and how to navigate that. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I love that you touched on it lightly, but from what I hear, it was, it, it yeah, it didn't have to be some big dramatic blow up. It can be done really professionally, courteously, and, and you know, without like, you know, some big explosion happening about it to like end, yeah. end a relationship and move on. Break up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like, there's a way to do it. And then I have thick skin now. And if anyone tries to guilt trip me or they come and apologize and I'm like, Oh, oh, it was just a miscommunication. I'm like, no, that was not a miscommunication. (laughs) And I just let it go. Yeah. And I just, you know, I let them go. I, you know, I get rid of them on Instagram, Facebook. So I don't want them to see what I'm up to. Mm -hmm. And I just cut all ties Mm -hmm. and it's no big deal. It's no big drama. It's just, okay, you got to go. Yeah. And I think it's important too, to know when and how, like, Sometimes you need to just cut people out completely, like you just said, and that is perfectly okay to do, and it's healthy for you. And then there's other times where it's like, you don't need to necessarily cut the people out, but you need to be able to set the boundaries. For instance, like, you know, I run into a lot of people, obviously living in LA, being an actor and a filmmaker, like a lot of my friends are actors and filmmakers and, you know, creatives. And a lot of them will be like, oh, well, I have this idea, like, would you want to work on this project with me? Or I'd love to write this with you or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I support what you're doing and good for you, but I cannot work on a project with you. I have way too much going on on my own plate. I love that you asked me that, but like, I have to set this boundary. And sometimes it feels shitty because it's like, you know, they're coming to you being like, well, I think you're talented and I'd love to work with you on this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, sorry. I got my own thing going on and it sometimes it feels shitty to say, but you have to set those boundaries. And that's a situation where you can still have that friendship with that person. You can still have that working relationship with that person. And if they get upset about it, well, then maybe you do need to move on, you know, but it's just, there's so many different layers and levels to things like that, you know? So it is being discerning and being able to set boundaries and being able to say no, which I know I have a difficult time with, but yeah. Yeah, I've had a couple of situations where I've had to say no and, you know, people get pissed off. I'm like, I just can't do this project. I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm very honest about it. And it's the relationships I keep are the ones that are like, oh, no big deal. You passed. No, no problem. And you stay friends. And who knows down the road, maybe there's a project that will work. Mm -hmm. But I think it's the people that take it too personally when someone says no, for whatever reason it may be. 
and uh, the people I keep in my life, the ones like, oh, no problem. I'll come, you know, with another project. And, you know, I'm the same way with um, like uh, the directors I know. Mm-hmm. If I, I send them scripts and they pass, they always read, which is great. Yeah. But if they pass, they have a reason because like they want to, uh, you know, do a certain genre or it's not that they don't like the script or don't believe in it. And I, I'm like, oh, no problem. That's cool. You know, and I, I keep my friendships. Like, I'm not going to blow a friendship over somebody saying no. Right. So I think that's really, really important. Yeah. No, I love that you said that. That is so perfect because it happens all the time. <laughs> like, it's not a new thing that people just, like, pass on projects or whatever. Because it, it, there's just so many variables that is going on when you decide to go in. And clearly, it's like, such. it's a big commitment. It's not like you know, something to be taken so personally. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, that's, I think that's a good point. Yeah. You just mm-hmm. can't take anything personally in this business. Right. At all. You know, <laughs> I mean, yep. when it's all personal, you can't take it personally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, Oh, it's, well, okay. Yeah. That happens. But yeah, I, yeah. I think that's like the biggest lesson is, uh, yeah, setting boundaries and not taking anything personally. Because, I mean, if you do, then that's it. You mm-hmm. will not succeed. Yeah. Uh, I think, and all the relationships are so important too, because everybody comes full circle, yeah. mm-hmm. right? You're going to mm-hmm. see that person again. You might be in another project with them. And if you just keep it all positive, uh, yeah. I think that's the way to do it. And if, if other people can't get that, then I just won't work with them again. Yeah. But- I think people like to work with me because I, I just I'm like, Oh, okay. No pressure. Yeah. I think that's the right? best way to be. Yeah. That's huge. The no yeah. pressure mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Cause if it's meant to be, it. it'll work. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and trying you to don't want to force it. No, it's not going to be good for anybody. No. And then people run the other way. If you try to force it, all of a sudden no one's taking your phone call. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true that's so true well I would love to switch gears and circle back just once before we wrap up this episode um to hear a little bit question too okay um (laughs) to hear a little bit more about your company Blue Water Lane and why you decided to actually form a company really um because there we have a lot of like statistics that you brought to the table about female producers in this industry and you know again this is something we mentioned earlier that we're passionate about this is kind of why we started our company to give women more opportunity and I was just wondering if that was kind of the main motivation behind that for you as well or yeah just I guess in general why you started a company as opposed to just you know being an independent producer well, it was our, our closest family friend that started the company years ago. Okay. And then he had uh, uh, the Love 40 script, or no, now it's 40 Love, but uh, he gave me the opportunity. He had the script for 12 years. And I said, I can put Blue Water on the map. I will call everyone I know, but you've got to promise me you're going to back this. Mm. Because if I start calling people, you know, uh, and get a good director and get some pretty uh, well-known producers in Hollywood there's no turning back right and mm-hmm. he did it right he did it he never backed out and right. uh he, he was like a second dad to me mm-hmm. very very oh. close family friend and it took us a while 
so that's kind of how that started. Then we had such a good experience on 40 Love with Fred Wolf and all the actors. He brought all the SNL people in. Nice. You know. <laughs> oh, like Colin Quinn, Chris Kattan. Oh, my God. Uh, awesome. Oh, my God. Steve Sherpa. Oh, he, he brought such a great cast. We had such a wonderful experience. We're like, let's go do this again. Yeah. And we picked up um, Flamingo Thief. And that's the one that we had to postpone due to COVID mm -hmm. and I'm like we're gonna keep going and mm -hmm. so his name is uh, John Gilbert mm -hmm. unfortunately he passed away back in September so he missed his own premiere oh. but uh, he is there in spirit yeah and he, he, mm -hmm. he was an amazing actor he acted in 40 Love and he acted in To Leslie with Allison Jania and Riseboro he was in a great scene with them. Okay. So he just had a dream. He always wanted to call it Blue Water Lane. And then he wanted the logo to be the surfer dropping on a wave. Because mm -hmm. we were at the time, we were running the production out of um, the beach house where you look at the waves every day and the surfers. And yeah. So he believed in me. He gave me, I said, John, I can do this. I can put Blue Water on the map and I can get the script made. Uh, we can do this. And he trusted me and I'll always be thankful for that. So it, it's very, um, it's a family business really. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he's our closest family friend. So that's how that all started. I love that. That's oh, thank good. goodness. Someone believed in me. <laughs> <laughs> someone believed in you and you believed in him. And that's, you know, like that combination is what, what got it all started. It did. And then I the called trust. my friend, yeah. um, Ben O'Dell. He's a close friend from the East Coast. And mm -hmm. I said, okay, I've got the script. I've got the financing secured. And he's like, oh, you're gonna need a lot more than that. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, how tough is this business? Yeah. He's like, I'm connecting you with Jason and Eduardo because you need that inner circle. Mm. He said, otherwise you will fail. Yeah. So I know uh. a lot of people come out and support, but it was very interesting to know just because you have a script and the money mm -hmm. no one trusts anybody in this town I'm like no I can do this <laughs> yeah but I mean it does it's it makes so nice. sense you know so many people want to make a movie set out to make a movie and aren't able to follow through with it so I do get why there is you know the hesitation <laughs> in this town so much but yeah it's like you know if you can get somebody in your inner circle that already has the trust of the quote unquote, important people that you need to reach, you know, and to build that for yourself, like it really does take you, it, it, that's what you need, you know, takes you to the next level. Right. And, and that's what uh, Ben O'Dell taught me. He's like, you know, there's no way you're going to do this the way you're doing it. So it was a real headache. I had to uh, switch teams to get that movie made. He's like, you're not going to make it mm -hmm. without bringing in these people. And the first phone call I had, Ben's like, I think Jason Schumann would be perfect. Mm -hmm. And I got along with him right away. I was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so and it all worked out. That's great. I, that's amazing. And I think just the key is to continue to get that. Once you get the ball rolling to keep continuing moving forward and getting connected and, I, I mean, I have to blindly believe that, it, you know, you will just keep attracting the right 
people in your circle to get it done. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. It's and really I, important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like that's how it just like all continue to work. Even when you were told like, okay, but still you're like, okay, but you didn't, you didn't hesitate. You just kept going with it. <laughs> you're like, all right, like, who do I have to call? Who do I have to meet? We'll get it. We'll get it situated. Oh, there were so many challenges and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just, um, used to it now. Yeah. I don't let anything stop me. Like, okay, that just happened. Pivot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Pivoting. You just take it. Take it a time. <laughs> favorite word. Our favorite Pivot. word on this podcast. <laughs> Cause it's so true. It happens all the time. And, um, you know, I, I think I, I love that you just get better at it. Right. It's still the, the same, you know, thing that you're, you, you have to do again and again, but you just get better at it. I think over time. Mm-hmm. From what I hear, <laughs> we're still still in the trenches figuring it all out. But I, I love that mindset. It's just like, I'm all about creative solutions. Like, okay, we got a problem. Well, let's, let's just think of something else to, to like, you know, not get bogged down by it. Cause then you'll just get bogged down by every little thing that happens. Right. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so many things that happen in a day, whether it's pre-production, whether it's on set, I mean, post-production. Right. I'm very heavily involved in post and, uh, you know, with whatever distributor uh, picks up the film and things can go wrong now and again. It's like, oh, we'll just figure it out. I yeah. don't freak out. But my the first couple of years of producing, oh my goodness, I'd freak out over everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then my mentors were great. They'd be like, ah, it's no big deal. I'm like, what do you mean it's no big deal? Like we're three days in out before uh, one of our major leads, Tommy Flanagan in 40 Love plays um, the Russian dad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we don't have a Russian dad. What are we gonna do? We, <laughs> yeah. ha- we hadn't cast that part yet. I'm like, but that role starts shooting on Monday. And Jason's like, don't worry about it. I'm just gonna call <laughs> you know, his agent. He's in Scotland, but we'll just fly him over. I'm like, yeah. okay. And okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. And then I remember one day we're coming back from set. We were, gosh, where were we? We were in upstate New York somewhere. And I'm like, and he's like, here are our three choices. And I said, okay, I think Tommy Flanagan's the guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I just talked to his agent. He's going to fly here tomorrow. I'm like, okay, that worked out. <laughs> and then we had all these different creative things. We're like, well, maybe we can make it a Russian mom. Uh-huh. instead of a Russian dad. I mean, we went through this whole, you know, thought process. And uh, then Fred Wolf, you know, because the director always has the final say on casting. I respect that. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah. he said, Tommy's, I said, give me 24 hours because we have to decide tomorrow. And, you know, to arrange it. And Fred Wolf said, it's Tommy Flanagan. And he did a great job in the movie. I mean, he was a really good Russian dad. Tennis player, I mean. Yeah, so things like that come up and, you know, luckily because I work with people who have been in the business for 20 years, if, I'm like, tell me if there's a problem. Yeah. And they're like, no, this, is, this isn't a problem. I said, okay, <laughs> trust you guys. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's that's really helpful to hear because, you know, I, I, I've been on a, a nightmare, sad situation where you're like, I'm like, okay, this is, this is literally feels like life and death. Like, like this isn't happening. And then somehow it just always 
ends up working out even the very last second not my favorite style of producing <laughs> but <laughs> it it does like it, it literally it will like if you just keep rolling with it stay positive breathe a lot <laughs> and it, it all it all pans out but I, so it's nice to hear that even on like bigger bigger scales oh it happens and that's scary <laughs> oh, oh we, we had we had a couple of things happen on two leslie where we had to shift different people in different roles and our oh uh writer ryan bianco is amazing and michael morris and there's a role we had to change last minute and oh they stayed up all night writing a new role for a certain part yeah and nobody freaked out we're all like okay what are we gonna do and i think mm -hmm. that's like the big lesson mm -hmm. which i didn't know my first year of producing i freaked out over everything <laughs> and but if you have the right team and the right people right you just problem solve yeah right right it's so important um and that's all i wanted to like my last little question here was being a development executive um for the your company it's you're you're really handling that whole process of the pre-production through to post-production and and um, getting all the pieces together. It sounds like for those who don't understand, maybe like more of what that role entails. Is there um, something that we didn't touch on that you know that you love about it and that is really integral to what you do? Well, yes, I find it interesting because these are independent films. I have my fingers in everything. Yeah. And, you know, so the business part of it, I think the difference, like if you work for a studio, you're very siloed. So you only know one part of the business. Mm -hmm. right. But if you have to be involved in everything, you kind of learn a lot more. Yeah. And I'm very good at saying, I know what I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then I get the right people to explain to me and then have the right team to execute. So I think that's really important, but not everybody is involved in, as a producer in every aspect. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been really helpful to me. And there's certain areas of it. I, I'm like, uh, it's not my area, <laughs> but I'm still involved. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's just, I you just have, yeah, yeah. And you have someone doing that part. Who's like the shining star of that role, <laughs> right. that, you know, that, that position, which, I think there's a lot of power in that. So that's that's being, you know, a good producer. It's like, okay, I'm hiring the best now who can take care of that. Mm -hmm. right. um, and still getting, yeah, um, your insight and being a part of it and managing it. So that's, I think that's really cool. I, I, I love that <laughs> as a producer to, to still be involved and still see it through. You Like you said, you learn so much. Yeah, I, I think it's good because, you know, I, I don't think people understand how, I mean, between music rights and mm -hmm. uh, selling a movie and then getting it over the distributor, how much is involved in that? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it just keeps going and going. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I don't think people understand like how much work it is if you're an independent production company. I mean, there, there are no days off right. ever. So. Fem Regard podcast brought to you. Real talk <laughs> on the production life, no days off. Um, but that's okay when you're doing something you love yeah. and like, you know, still there is, we're always working balance out and figuring it out. And I think, 
you know, again, if you, this is where your heart is, you will, you will learn to manage all of that. And it, it you know, it takes time. Like you said, you, you used to freak out at everything. Now you're like, I just roll with it. And but yes. now I'm working on developing what's next. So nice. I have to be very busy this month. Yeah. Next month, yeah. June. Right. Cause it, you know, I have to manage the ones we've already done, but it, you know how long it takes to develop something. Right. So now I'm yeah. focusing on that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. what's next. Mm-hmm. So I met with a, a close friend of mine. She's uh she's a novelist. It's called, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, uh, uh chasing Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. I've been, we're, we've been developing this for like two years. Wow. And yeah, Tina Sloan, she used to be on the guiding light. She's been in Woody Allen movies. I mean, she's a force of nature. So I met wow. with her yesterday about what our plan is to develop that. So, Amazing. and then I'm going to meet her in LA in June, I think. Very but, cool. Yeah. It's like, it's, but as a producer, you've got to have five or six scripts at one time. Mm-hmm. You, d- you just never know which one's going to get right. picked up or. So, so I'm, yeah, I'm very busy. Yeah. <laughs> we understand that completely. <laughs> it's yeah. a little, it's a, sca- it's a scary thing to people who haven't jumped in yet you know but it's mm-hmm. also like carolina said if it's what you love then you're gonna find a way to do it and you're gonna you're gonna love it it's gonna be stressful but you're you're gonna be happy you that you're doing not it not do it yeah like you can't not do it yeah. i find because tessa like you know we had a, a fundraising call yesterday and we're like okay there goes our summer <laughs> really fun <laughs> fun stuff and we're still traveling and stuff, making our, we still have like somewhat of a normal life. Right. And so it's just like, wow. Okay. Yep. This is what I signed up for. Cool. 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 Well, this is, this is my madness. This is what I love. <laughs> like I can't have the, I can't live without the chaos. Right. <laughs> like that's just, I think you just need to embrace that, especially when you know, it's going to be like a trying time mm-hmm. at times, but also I think just trying to keep a, a good, I guess, a sense of yourself in it, that's fine. You'll be fine. You'll make it out alive. Right, right. Cece? <laughs> <laughs> you just you're, keep you're on going. Killing it. Yeah. Keep on going. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today to take giving us the time. Um you were you're incredible the work you're doing. I'm um is there a place where we would be able to soon watch to Leslie? Well, right now it's at festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. It won't be in theaters until September or October. I, th- I believe October okay. is our release date. Nice. And then it'll, it, it'll by the fall, it'll be out everywhere. Right now, it's okay. going to uh, the Lighthouse Festival in New Jersey. It just went to Chicago. It was at South By. And then we're also doing the Nantucket Film Festival. And we're currently at Cannes. That's awesome. Uh, for, interna- oh my for international sales. Yeah, I, I didn't go over that one. That this is international sales for buyers. So That's I'm trying to think. There's one other one in California. I think Mon- oh Montecito. Okay. I think we're going. Ooh. Yeah. So you, you could always go see it in Montecito. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, Cece, if there's any um like social media, your website, anything like that that you would like to share with our listeners. Oh, um, my handle is uh, CC Cleary One, but C E C I Cleary C O E R Y One, and then my Facebook. Uh, I have a website, ccleary.com. dot com. 
mm-hmm. which I haven't updated recently. And then uh, we also have a handle for Blue Water Lane Productions. I'm trying to think Perfect. if there's any other. Uh, yeah. Perfect. We'll yeah, make sure we plug all of that in the show notes. Absolutely. And there's also 40 Love the Movie. We have a handle for that. Okay, great. And uh, yeah, and then to Leslie, uh, the distributor is going to take care of that handle probably starting next month. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank Perfect. you so much, Cece, for coming on today. This was super inspiring and super like, we we love to hear when our guests are on the same page as us, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That we all have the same kind of interest and we all have the same belief system with this industry, you know? Well, it was lovely to meet you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I like it when we all think alike. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in every Friday for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also join the FemFam on Patreon. For more on us, check us out at FemRegard.com. listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.